I'm Dana Lloyd. Welcome to Soul Sister Conversations, the podcast, where you will be inspired and empowered to connect more deeply with your authentic self as we explore topics of personal development, leadership, and spirituality. Your journey to your most authentic self starts right now. If you like the kinds of things we talk about here on Soul Sister Conversations, then maybe you would enjoy being on my email list. I send out a weekly newsletter on Sunday evening with an inspirational and practical blog focused on leading well personally and or professionally. I give a book recommendation and keep people up to date on who's on the podcast. Start your week off right. Go to Dana Lloyd Leadership and get inspiration delivered to your inbox. Natalie Doyle Oldfield is an authority on building trust. And today we have a super interesting conversation on becoming more trustworthy. We discuss how to build it, how it helps you connect better with others, and how trust translates into business and leadership success. How much trust do you think people have in you, in your organization? Well, Natalie Doyle Oldfield can help you with that. And this conversation will give you a lot to think about. Natalie Doyle Oldfield, welcome to Soul Sister Conversations. Thank you. Nice to be here, Dana. Well, I'm delighted to have this conversation because I I like the topic of trust. I mean, I'm a leadership coach. Um, I mean, just being a human, just being a person, I'm interested in trust and building trust. I mean, it's so important. And and, and I'm I'm delighted that you'll help us unpack why it's so important, but really both in life and business. So you are on a mission to help business owners and leaders grow their companies by helping them build relationships of trust with their customers and colleagues. And you've authored a book on the subject called The Power of Trust, How to how Top Companies Build, Manage, and Protect It. And you advise some of the world's most successful companies, including many best managed companies on how to grow their business and increase customer trust and loyalty. Now, I'm always curious about people's authentic journey. And I know you have a marketing back. You've been a chief marketing officer. You've been in business for a long time. So how did you get on the path of helping people very specifically with trust? Well, it started several years ago. I was managing a marketing team. And in that role at an IT company, I was also very involved with customers. I've always believed that the the beginning and end with marketing is all about understanding what's important to the customer. And so several years into my role and after, uh, you know, doing lots of different jobs, my manager who was CEO asked me if I would take over the sales role and manage customer accounts. And I really didn't want to do that, Tina. Uh, so I said, no, And I continued to have all, you know, the relationships with customers. And after after, uh, probably a year or so, I agreed to take this role. And the the truth is, I didn't want to do it because um, when you're responsible for sales and customer relationships, you're responsible. You're very accountable. And as we know, nothing happens until a sale is made. And it's very transparent. You either make a sale or you don't, right? Like it's there. There's evidence. <laughs> There's a lot of evidence. Yeah. So anyhow, um, after after a while, I said, yes, okay, I'll do it. And so then it was 2008 and uh, the market uh, had a huge downturn and we were selling software 
into the hospitality industry. Well, when the market goes down, people stopped going to hotels and companies weren't having meetings. So I started trying to figure out, well, how am I going to be successful in sales? I don't know how to sell. And I firmly believe that none of us want to be sold to. So I started talking to a few people that I knew that were very successful in sales. And I asked them, like, how do you do it? Like, what courses should I take? How, how do I learn how to do well in sales? And after talking to all these people, what I learned is that it's not about some fancy process or, uh, you know, figuring out how to close people or do, do, you know, a specific sales system. It's all about relationships. And I focused on that. I focused on the relationships and our team did. We all did. And within a couple of months, our numbers, our sales started to go back up. I got so interested in this that I, that I then went back to school and did graduate research. And I went in trying to figure out how is it that customers decide to buy? And I primarily focus on business to business. So mm-hmm. I went in thinking, okay, how do I answer this question? And I found very quickly on doing my master's that we decide to buy based on relationships of trust. Mm -hmm. It's all about relationships of trust. And I got so excited about it that I started, I created a framework. Then with my business hat on, I thought, okay, well, what gets managed should be able to be measured. Or another way we flip it around. Mm -hmm. We measure what we manage. And so I created uh, a measurement tool, knowing that with the practical side on, you know, we we need to be able to show return on investment. So I created a measurement tool, which I call the Client Trust Index. It measures a customer's trust in a company and a framework while studying and doing my graduate research. And then tested it out with multiple organizations in multiple industries. And uh, based on this science and evidence, created a framework for how we decide mm. to trust and how companies choose to trust us. And, you know, when people ask me, well, how did you really get into it? Well, I started applying it and telling people about it. And it was working. And um So I started doing workshops and then I decided that I would do this full time. And as you mentioned, I then wrote a book about it, wrote a workbook about it. Now I teach it full time and uh, it's been nine years. Actually, last week was nine years. And uh, yeah, now I work with companies all over the world to help them learn how to build and strengthen and protect relationships of trust. Hmm. It's a fascinating topic because you're right. Everything's about relationships, sales in particular. Yeah. Uh, and it's interesting how you learned that yourself by taking on this role, not knowing anything about sales and then actually finding that 
um, that nugget in there, the important thing. And I think because I hear this a lot about sales, I know here in New Brunswick, they have tried to create a, actually like a professional sales school to teach people how to sell, how to be great salespeople. And maybe someone's listening today that they're they're going to have this little aha moment about this nugget of trust. And you say the number one question every customer, every colleague and every stakeholder has is, can I trust you? So for you, what is trust? How do you define? Well, I look at it from a customer's point of view. So trust is a faith or belief, if you will, that someone or or a company is going to do the right thing. It's a future looking belief, right? It's when we have confidence in someone that they're going to be there for us. They're going to do the right thing for us. Mm. And, um, you know, there's lots of characteristics that in that are part of trustworthy behavior. In fact, at the end of the day, when we decide to trust, great way to think about how to define trust is it really comes down to three main components. And these three main components are how we communicate how we behave, and how we serve. So when I'm looking or thinking about subconsciously, can I trust this company or can I trust this person? I'm evaluating, okay, how do they communicate? How do they behave? And how do they serve? We trust when people communicate clearly in language that we understand, that's honest and that is believable. We trust behavior that's reliable, that's ethical, that's focused on motives to act in our best interest or, you know, the customer's best interest and service that's empathetic, compassionate, and authentic. I liken it oftentimes to a triangle. You must have all three for trust to be present. Mm. Trust is about principled behavior and communication and service. So as an example, you you can't expect to be trusted with poor behavior, regardless how well you communicate. Mm. They all have to be in alignment. Yes. You need all three. You can't have one of the one of three. (laughs) That's right. They all have to be in alignment. And so just to go back to what you were mentioning about sales and, you know, I really believe that that is a benefit of being trusted. And I do believe in my heart of hearts that most of us don't want to be sold to, right? We want to make our own decisions. We love to buy. We love to buy, Dana. (laughs) But we don't want pressure to buy. (laughs) We love to buy. And for, you know, many people that know me, it can be a sport, okay, shopping, okay? Yeah. We love to buy. And here in Canada, 91% of us buy from companies and people we trust. Mm -hmm. 91%, okay? Worldwide. Eight in 10 people worldwide buy from companies they trust. So there's a business case for this. It truly is the most important thing we should be working on 
is building relationships of trust. And for many organizations, it's about protecting them and paying attention to them. And that's that's why this is so important. And, and you can hear, I mean, that's why I'm so passionate about it is because I've seen results with clients that when they have high trust, they're rewarded, right? Hmm. So years ago, when I started in 2011, I coined the term trust equity. And now we're starting to see it a little bit. Hmm. Well, when you have high trust equity, your company's more successful because not only is it about buying, right? And sales, but it's also about getting more referrals, more introductions, um, negotiations happen faster. Your employees are more engaged. You have customer retention. You have employee retention, Mm -hmm. right? Trust impacts all of these things. So it really truly is the most important asset a company can manage. It's Mm -hmm. all about managing and protecting your trust equity. Yeah. And when you and I were chatting, I was asking you a question about why do we need trust training? Uh, and you said, I've never been asked that question before, no. but it just, it does beg the question when I feel, when I hear the word trust, it feels like this basic human instinct. Of course, wouldn't we be kind to each other? Wouldn't we trust each other? So it makes me think, what are we doing that we are becoming untrustworthy that we have to be taught to trust? Is it that we're just unconscious and we don't recognize that we don't have our communication or language and, and our behavior and our service in alignment? What is happening that that we need to be taught trust, that this is a, a worthy conversation for people to get and understand? Um, as I mentioned last week, it is a really good question, Dana. And before this, before this podcast, I went for a walk by myself and I thought, okay, she's going to ask that. And it's such a great question. Okay. So I'm like, are we a sketchy society that we can't trust? What is going on? No, I don't think so. And I think, so there's a couple things that come to mind that, because I don't have the perfect answer for you. However, here are a few facts and here are a few things that are impacting that. So People in general are more skeptical than ever before. And we have more access to information than we've had ever before. Mm. And we um, are looking for and want to work with companies and people that have a social conscience. So we've always wanted this since the beginning of time, right? To work with, talk with, buy from people who are trustworthy. Mm. And I think that that one of the things that's happening is that customers are paying more attention. We have a lot of choice, right? Mm. We have a lot of choice. So we want to work with and buy from trustworthy organizations. We want to partner with people we trust. So that's one thing we have a choice. I think the other thing that's happening um, in addition to this choice uh, is that we, the market's changed and the world has changed, especially in the last two years, right? Mm-hmm. So it's a much smaller world 
And not only do we have more access to information, but some of the big companies have really done an amazing job training as well. So companies like Netflix um, that or Amazon that make it really easy for us to buy from them, right? They, they serve up choices and we, we, um, are, we get things that are easy and accessible and um, are customized to us. Right. So we get personalized content served up, if you will, mm. on Netflix, mm. just to go with that example. So we like Netflix better because they make it easy for us to connect with them. It, it, we know that they're going to curate our favorite thing. Yeah. That's part of building. Yeah. Trust. So that's part of it. I think the other the other reason that it has become more important for companies uh, to build trust is that um, there's there is a choice not only for buyers but for employees the labor market um is very different than it was before and we choose to work for companies and for people and for leaders that we trust so it's it's now uh a leadership imperative mm. and so that's one one piece of the puzzle and then you said, you know, what's happening? Like that people need to learn this. Shouldn't they know this? Well, some people never really learned how to build relationships. Or some people probably did learn and they need a tune-up. Because, mm-hmm. and that's a big part of it. And as you I- get lazy. Was, yeah. Lazy in relationships, you know, because there's there's intention, there's effort, hundred percent. And let's face it. Um, if, if you think about people or companies that do really well, the ones that are highly trusted truly are more successful. I really believe that trust equity is a key performance indicator. And my research has shown that companies that have high trust equity, they outperform. They have higher sales, customers do recommend them. They, they do have more opportunities. They have repeat business. And on a personal level, it's really important to remember the companies are made up of people, mm-hmm. right? And the, the, the most significant risk for any company, doesn't matter what industry you're in, is the people. The most significant risk in the success in any company is not is the people, how they communicate, how they behave, and how they serve customers. Mm-hmm. We can manage processes. We can have the best technology in the world. But unless the people focus on the relationships, they won't be successful. Mm-hmm. It, it's a lot like... Um, it's a lot like safety in the workplace, Dana, right? You can have mm-hmm. a culture in a company that's focused on safety, right? And you have all the right processes in place and the procedures. And, you know, every Thursday you have your toolbox Thursday meeting and you have a safety champion. And then one day someone goes to a job site and they're looking at their phone 
and they're not paying attention to what's in front of them and they trip maybe and fall. We can, and so with safety, in addition to having the right policies and procedures in place, it, it has to cascade throughout the entire organization. And we have to be talking about having a culture of safety in order to have a safe environment. Very similar with trust. So then it begs the question, then how do we build trust? What are Because you talked about communication behavior and how we serve. What does that look like inside of an organization? Well, when people are intentional about building trust. Yes. Yeah, so it starts at the top. Right? It starts at the top of the leadership team. And the leaders, um, you know, setting the right example. Mm. focusing on the building relationships of trust. And then when they do that, it's about learning how to communicate trust, behave in a trustworthy way and serve customers in a trustworthy way. Mm. And a lot of times it's, it's around awareness, Dana, yeah. And what I found in the the work that I do, I, you know, as an example, to build a trustworthy culture, I work with a company where people in the company, usually everyone from, you know, the person that answers the phone to a maintenance worker, the warehouse manager, to, you know, someone on the front lines or a project manager, um, learning how to listen carefully, mm. to become more empathetic, to communicate clearly. Um, you know, it's actually a step-by-step process. Mm. And um, and it's the small things, isn't it? Like kind of like the one degree turns, like it don't change it overnight, um, but you begin moving, but you have to be consistent with, with your actions yeah and you're right yeah I agree it's starting yeah. at the top for sure yeah and it, and it doesn't happen overnight you're right it's it's um it's it's a journey and you know I liken it to um sometimes I liken it to fitness right you can start you can buy a gym membership so I'll share with you okay I after 25 years, I decided that I'm going to go to the gym. My children are grown up. They've gone, they're at university, and I find myself with more time. So last October, I started going to the gym for the first time ever, okay? Mm -hmm. And um, like most people, when you try something new, it's intimidating, right? Mm -hmm. So I was very intimidated. But I went and decided, and... Now I find myself thinking, okay, it's been six months. Like, I don't see any difference, right? So it's like like fitness, right? You can buy the membership. You've got to go, though, on a regular basis. Yeah. Right? Intention and takes time. And there's a long arc here. And so for me, I haven't gone in years, so it's going to take even more time. Right? Yeah. So, you know, it's... You know, I used to work with someone and he used to say, 
inch by inch life's a cinch? Yes, inch by inch it is. And, you know, fitness is, is, you know, we're dieting and weight loss or getting toned or getting strong is one way. You know, another way to look at it is compound interest, right? Mm-hmm. We, we tell our, you know, we, we we're told and, you know, if you put $10 away once a week over time, over 20 years, you know, it's going to be this much money. It's the same about these deposits, if you will, of right. trust, right? And so the framework that I build is principles-based. So when you apply these principles in each and every interaction, because trust is about interactions, right? Mm-hmm. We, a company can have, like I said, the best technology or the best systems in place and, and do trustworthy things, but it, it comes down to the people, and it's about the cumulative actions, behaviors, and communications over time. And, and I like that you said accumulative because it begs the question, I think about, you know, if you have a uh, high trust with people, I mean, we're human, we can make mistakes um, and you can break trust. And, and you say when you have trust, clients are more forgiving. I think that's, you know, true of anyone, I would hope that they would look at the long arm of your experience and behavior and think, okay, anybody can break with that. And then of course it takes time to rebuild that, but to know that you're not completely an untrustworthy person that, um, you made a mistake and that, that there is more forgiveness. Like you said, you can move with speed. There's a lot of things that happen as a result of having trustworthy relationships. Yes. And, and it, it is, it is a significant reason that people take trust training hmm. because they, a lot of companies have experienced in the, the last, I would say, nine months or so, Dana, that hmm. they recognize that the relationships aren't the same, right? right. We haven't been able to see people in person. Right. Uh, a lot Connect of like we used to. Yeah. Right. Face to face interactions with yeah. all sorts of businesses. Yeah. And, and so that, and with the supply chain crisis that's happening worldwide, with the uncertainty that's happening right now in the world, with the labor shortages, oftentimes a lot of companies, whether they're in professional services or in manufacturing aren't able to meet the deadlines. Mm. And a lot of times it's out of their control. But if you have trust equity built up, customers are more forgiving. Sure. Right? And you can explain this is, you know, this is what's happening. This is out of our control. If you don't have that trust, we're not as tolerant. Right. Absolutely. I was reading one of the, um, your re- most recent blog on your website, and I encourage people to go there to, um, to have a look at some of the articles that you've written. But one of the most recent when you were talking about a particular client that helped turn his team around, Roger, yeah. and, um, and you said there are four questions to ask yourself or your team. And I thought these were great considerations for building trust. And you say, one, are we providing helpful information and advice with no strings attached? Yeah. <laughs> As you, to your point earlier, we don't want to be sold to that pressure of like, you know, an exchange to do our employees offer frank, honest advice to each other and to external 
clients. Mm-hmm. Um, three, does everyone on the team communicate confidence in their client interactions? I thought that was an interesting one. And are employees engaged, accountable, informed, and client focused? Boy, that that is a, a really packed statement. If we could have engaged, accountable, and informed, I mean, we'd all go a long way. So I'm curious about the role that confidence plays in building trust. Okay, well, um, actually, um, it's huge. So when I start, I have a six-week cohort program where people from different companies come in the program and we get together once a week over a six-week period on Zoom for two hours every Tuesday, actually. And um, so... One of the primary reasons, uh, usually a couple of people come in the program is because they're not confident talking to customers, okay? Mm. And they share that. They say, well, you know what? I'm just not confident. And these are people, Dana, who are so accomplished, right? They're leaders in their company. You know, they're professional engineers. They're certified professional accountants, They are um, leaders who run plants and run multi-million dollar operations with Mm -hmm. teams of, you know, 10, 15, 20, 200 people. Mm. And, but they're not confident talking to customers. So when you ask what role does confidence play? Well, when when we start these programs, or even if I'm just doing a one or two hour session with a company, I might say, what does trust mean to you? And the word confidence always comes up, right? Is that right? Always comes up. It's a faith or belief or confidence in someone else. Well, we all know what it feels like when we have confidence in another person. Yeah. And we, we just know what that feels like. And we also know what it feels like when someone's sharing information with us and they're not confident. And when they're not confident, it makes us think, why aren't they confident? What's mm-hmm. happening? Do they know what they're talking about? Do they know Do they, what talking? Why would I buy if you're going to give you money and you don't even yes. know what your product's about? I've had that experience. I think we've all had it. We right? have. And you do. You've had, even if it's a smaller interaction where you, you lose faith in yes. whether they're going to be able to walk a project across the line or yes. help you get, get it done. I mean, I think it's huge. It is huge. It is huge. And so uh, a lot of times... I work with companies and work with individuals because the business owner, like Roger, that you read about, (laughs) said, you know, I just don't feel like my team is instilling confidence in the customers. And what happens is when when we don't instill confidence in our customer, they either say, I want someone else on the account or like you said, they don't continue to buy or, you know, when we're done this part of the project, they move on to something else or another company or they don't refer us or they don't, you know, continue doing stuff, business with us. Yeah. So it's, it's huge, Dana. It's huge. 
confidence. And, and you can see how even as a leader who's trying to build trust, if people don't have confidence in the leader that they can get the job done, like they're not stepping forward and, right. and, and trying things because there's a big piece of, I think people are afraid to admit they don't know. I'm sure they hate yes. the fact that they're accomplished leaders and they hate to say, I, I don't know, or I need help. I'm not confident. Please help me at the age of 45, you know, yes. you're whatever age they are, because yes. it feels like this should go hand in hand with age and experience. And it doesn't. And which begs me to for the next question is what role does self-awareness play huge. in building trust? It's huge, yeah. right? Yeah. It, it's yeah. huge. Who do we and have to become, you know, to to be this person of trust? Yeah, it, it's huge. We it starts. It starts with being aware of how we're communicating, right? Mm. How we behave and how we serve. And, you know, this morning, as an example, I had in my cohort, we limit it to um, 10 people, 10 to 12 people, so that it's interactive and it's got to be a good fit. And, um, you know, one person said to me, this morning, just after our session, you know, can I have a quick call after? And um, he had an aha moment mm -hmm. in the session. And he said, and I quote, I had no idea that me not following up with a customer was impacting the relationship. He said, no wonder they don't return my calls. I rarely follow up with him. Mm -hmm. He said, I didn't realize it was affecting him. So, you know, if we circle all the way back to your question about why do we need trust training? Some people just do not have and never learn the skills to build relationships. Mm -hmm. And you can learn how to not only develop relationships of trust, but cultivate them and grow them and build them. It, it is a skill that can be learned. And when I, this is a typical thing I often have heard about this idea of follow-up, that when people follow up, they don't like sales because they feel like they're bugging the person by following up. But to your point, it just showed that that's actually a way of building the relationship and saying, you yeah. care, uh, you know, the person may not want to talk to you or they want to talk to you at a different time. But the idea of this follow up, because there's all sorts of research and data on that, that the number of people who make follow up sales, like the first one, the second one, like it significantly drops off by the time you get to the fifth call. And I remember making um, a, a follow up call to a customer. And I remember um, her saying, she goes, uh, thank you for following up. No one ever does. It was like some sort of like anomaly. Like it was this weird thing that I had done was to follow up with a phone call. And I was like, really? Like even like the first one? <laughs> but I, I think this awareness around, I think that's huge learning that you just said, like this idea of following up, that's a way of building a relationship. Yeah, yeah, 100%. And so to, to your point, the person sharing with you, no one ever does. Mm -hmm. Well, here's the other thing, Dana. When you focus on building a relationship of trust and you have trust equity, you have a competitive advantage. Absolutely. Absolutely. And the most successful companies that do focus on this, they do have a competitive advantage. I mean, there are studies that come out 
on a regular basis. So now, you know, the last couple of years, a lot of the big, uh, bigger, you know, consulting firms have been doing studies on trust, which they do macro studies and they ask about, you know, very large, broad questions. So I would say macro. And a number of studies come out with statistics like 50%. So here's a a statistic for Canadians. 55% of Canadians trust business to do the right thing. Okay, so for your listeners and your clients that are listening, that means 45% don't trust business to do the right thing, right? <laughs> That's a big so chunk. It's a big chunk. So, so, you know, trust is a competitive advantage. Yeah. And it's like anything, right? When you focus on it, it, you will see the results. Now, you talk about in your book, in your title, it says you about building, managing, and protecting. So once you recognize you're actually purposely building trust, and you're having some success with this, then how do we protect it? Are we doing something different or are we doing more of the same? We're just making sure that we're being consistent with it? Um, yes, we need to be per- consistent. We need to be purposeful and deliberate. So every business is different. Uh, however, I would say, you know, it's like any relationship, we have to work at it. Yeah. And every company has what I call critical trust risk points. Times in a relationship where, where trust is being measured, it's being looked at to see how you perform. So, you know, best practice is outline what is the customer journey or what is the stakeholder or the employee journey? And what are the events where they're truly looking at how is this company performing? So as an example, if, if um, well, you're a leadership, you're in the leadership business. Mm-hmm. So if you had a coaching call with a client And it was scheduled for, let's just pick an arbitrary time, Thursday afternoon at three o'clock. Well, if you forgot that call and you forgot to call them and it was your, you know, understanding that you were going to call, if you have a relationship of trust, well, it's probably okay. They'd think, oh, something must have happened. I hope Dana's okay. Mm -hmm. If you forgot the next week or the next time, they may think, oh, is she not organized? Am I not that important? What's going on? Right? Yeah. And so that for you is a critical trust risk point to be on that call in that meeting on time. If I'm a manufacturing company and I ship out, you know, my product, a box of paper, and I've ordered it, And I expect it to, and I've been told it's going to be delivered on, you know, again, Thursday afternoon. Well, that's a critical trust risk point. Did you make the delivery date? Mm. A restaurant. If you go in to a restaurant, a critical trust risk point is if you, you know, if you order a sandwich and you say, I don't want any sauces on this. And then the product comes with sauces on it. Well, That's a critical trust risk point. Another risk point might be 
the behavior of the CEO of a company. It, it's like I said, it, it at the end of the day, it all comes down to the communication, the behavior, and the service. It comes down to the people. That's the most critical trust risk point to manage. Because mm. when you do that and you have these strong relationships, you can get past all these other things. Mm. And so, you know, we can, it is a journey. Like you can never really, yeah. you can never really take your foot off the gas. I was going to say, you can never sit on your laurels with this no. because it's, you always have to be engaged, whether you're a leader or with your business, uh, yeah. let's say business to business, what you do, what you say you will do, you yes. know, walk the talk. Right? Yes. Exactly. And I'm thinking, you know, if you're a, a leader who's listening, who is very interested in building trust and they themselves are trustworthy, but they see some of it happening within their own organization that is not consistent with what they would like. How do they they then begin to move the needle? I mean, you certainly lead by example. Is it then we're starting to ha- obviously they hire you to have workshops and training on this. But, you know, what are those actions that they can help? Is it the leader then pointing that out to the person where where we have the gaps or outages with respect to trust, and we're yes. looking then at our processes? Uh, yes, yes, and it's about the people though and the interactions. It's mm-hmm. it's so yes, it's about the leader pointing it out. Um, the other thing that I would say it it truly. Um, it's about having the conversations on a regular basis. So oftentimes when I work with a company and everybody has the same vocabulary, right? So in addition to starting with the leadership, it's everybody in the organization having the same values and the vocabulary and having the same focus on building trust. That That's huge. And then once you have that, it's about keeping it alive, right? It's about yeah. keeping this culture of trust alive, much like keeping the culture of safety alive, right? You have regular meetings, right? Discuss safety incidents. You, you, so with trust, I have many clients that after we do the training, we, they, we operationalize it in their company. So for example, mm-hmm. they may have a meeting every Friday that is um, a management meeting and people come to the management meeting with a story of how they built trust with someone in the company or how they built trust with a customer. I um, have other clients that in every sales meeting that they, everyone comes to the meeting prepared They may not have to, but they come prepared to talk about an example of how they built trust with a customer. Mm. That's a great point because that's what safety teams do all the time is to keep it front in mind. And what leaders talk about gets valued, right? So if a leader cares about it and is constantly, that's how do we build trust? Mm -hmm. You know, just by bringing it to the forefront, you know, just you and I having this conversation is making me think about things. And um, so it's, I think just talking about it, being transparent, you said trust is about interaction. So Mm -hmm. if we're talking about it and connecting about it, we're going to practice it more likely if we know it's on everyone's mind. Yes. So how has the pandemic, has it helped or hurt our um, power of trust because we're, we're working more virtually for some companies. uh, I think that had 
great relationships of trust with their customers, they're doing just fine. Again, they, they had it. What's happened with, with many people and many companies is the pandemic amplified whether you have it or don't. I was going to say it, sho- it really shone a spotlight on our weak points if they yes. were there or our strengths. Yes, for sure. And, and uh, you know, in the beginning, I think that it really amplified it last year. So in January 2021, um, we did a study of business owners across the world and there were several owners from companies and countries all over that participated in the study we did. And what came back was that they felt that trust um, either stayed the same or decreased a bit in a year. Mm. And that um, owners and business leaders that responded to this survey said, you know, that was a big focus in 2021 for them to rebuild and strengthen trust with employees and with customers. Mm. And I think a lot of companies did an amazing job doing that. I really do. And to your point, you know, it's the companies that did well, um, really strengthened their relationships. Companies that had low trust or maybe it was fragile, I think are really seeing the impacts. And Mm. we've seen it with, you know, engagement, turnover, customers leaving and going to the competition. Uh, I've been working with a number of companies this year. So in the last six months or so to help them regain the trust mm-hmm. of their customers, of their employees. I primarily work with companies around regaining the trust of their customers. But as we know, trust starts on the inside, right? Yeah. We talked about that a little bit, right? It's about self-awareness. It starts inside the company and having the culture of trust inside the company first. Yeah. And then it seeps out to the customer and how we communicate with them, how we behave with them and walk the talk and then how we serve them. Um, The pandemic has really, um, it's changed the way we we work. It's it's Mm. changed the way we have had to serve clients in many cases and the way that we interact with our colleagues and coworkers. Yeah. It's so true. And, and if anything, that one of the things that I've learned for myself, just from the own business perspective, is that I felt like I've had to have more communication, not less. Like before, if you had some more connections face to face, there was, it's like, there's more built that way. Um, but when you're dealing with more email and more, you know, this zoom and so on, yeah. that um, there, there, you have to increase it. And I've seen problems with clients when that because before they were in the office and they could solve problems if they're walking by somebody's door yeah. and they would go, oh, hey, I have this just this little issue and they would get it solved. But yeah. when we were wa- working in silos, that kind of communication didn't happen. So it had to be even more intentional. And when it wasn't, then then uh, you could see the leadership and the communication uh, suffer as a result of it. And um, once they recognize it and can get back to it, they can fix that. But we realize, wow, you have to be, it feels like we need even more touch points. 
points when we live in this kind of world. Yeah, I would agree with that. Uh, we do need more touch points. I think the other thing that's happened is there's now been more of a focus on the importance of being an empathetic leader. And so we've learned a lot about each other throughout this. And um, I think that the leaders that have learned how and are very trustworthy will, will outshine and succeed at a much higher level. Because and when you say empathetic leader, you mean what in, in your definition? My definition of an empathetic leader, um, again, a great question. It's a, it's a leader who not only is empathetic towards other people and demonstrates their empathy. So empathy is around understanding everyone's situation on their team. And I think mm. that the pandemic has forced, in some cases, forced leaders to pay attention and to be more compassionate and see what's happening with everyone on their team, mm. right? The way we work has changed. Yeah. Many of us, yeah. like you and I, right, are, so, you know, in the olden days, we would maybe um, do this podcast and we wouldn't do it with the cameras on because the technology wasn't great a couple of years ago. And now it is. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think that that it's really just changed the way we are expecting leaders to lead. And, yeah. you know, there's a lot of um, there is a lot of research out there, Dana, that shows that different generations are expecting even more from their leaders and from their companies. Oh, that's interesting. Can you say more about that? Like which, which generations are expecting more? Well, um, so as an example, um, the, the millennials want to um, work with companies that are more socially conscious. Generation Z uh, it's really important to work for companies that have a social conscience. People want to work for someone they trust. And yeah. as I said in the beginning, we have choices. And if and we have more choices now than ever before. And if they, people feel that their leader is not trustworthy, they're going to leave and yeah. either stop working or go and work somewhere else. I mean, the... The statistics that came out last fall uh, around, you know, the great resignation in the United States, yes. a real thing. And here in Canada, it, it's, you know, we're not at the same rate for the great resignation. However, there's a statistic and I don't want to say it wrong, but it's it's something like 40 percent of people are not engaged at work. Well, that's I. It's high, and I, I may be wrong on that, but it, it's very... But I believe it's a significant amount of significant. people. Significant. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, it comes back to employees. It, when you have high trust in your leader, you're more engaged, right? You, you're yeah. more accountable. And um, it really, truly comes back to that. Um, and, you know, one thing that 
that I find fascinating is that, as I mentioned, you know, there are more and more studies done around the significance of trust. I've, mm-hmm. I've always believed since I started this yeah. research, which was, you know, a long time ago now, that trust is the issue of our time. However, now increasingly, people are holding organizations to account for all of their initiatives. Mm. And, you know, there's a statistic that came out in March of 2022 that that was done by the Economist Impact. It's a research organization of the Economist Group. And they found that 86% of business executives worldwide agreed that organizations are going to have to work harder in the future to earn the trust of their customers. Hmm. And again, it comes back to the fact that companies are facing more scrutiny right. from a more informed and critical customer and a more informed and critical employee than ever yeah. before, right? It's yeah, we're far more informed. Yeah, yeah. It's, and it's not just customers, right? Coworkers, mm-hmm. colleagues are more, they're paying more attention too. They want to work from companies and with leaders that they trust. Yeah. Because it makes a much more positive experience. I mean, who doesn't want to work for a winning team? You know, whether that's a winning attitude, yeah. whether it's a yeah. you know a place where people you are. Do we not all just want to be seen in this world? And yeah. we, you know, to your point with the empathetic leader, you know, a leader who sees people yeah. and understands what people are going through and knows, you know, how to motivate them because you can connect to what truly matters to them. Yes. Uh, you know, to inspire them and empower them. I mean, who doesn't want that opportunity who leaders so engaged to go, how can I help you get to where you're going? Yeah. Uh, whether it's in, in this organization or in life, uh, you know, John Wooden, who is a, was a former, you know, basketball coach and that, you know, he's always quoted in leadership and motivational quotes. And, and I, I remember reading something to the fact that the reason why he was so impactful was exactly he wasn't just creating athletes. He was affecting their lives outside of the game. Mm-hmm. You know, he was making them better people. To your point, the whole self-awareness, yeah. growing in confidence. And when you have that, I mean, sky's the limit. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So one of the things that I, I would share with leaders, because they sometimes they say to me, well, like, what should I do? Like, how can I build trust? Right. Yeah. Well, where do I start? Where do uh, I start? That, that's, that's a great question. Where do people start you if they're like completely this all disconnected? The time. Yes. Yeah. And you say? And I say, <laughs> I mean, it, it clearly, I mean, it's different for everybody, Dana, right? But yeah. what I usually say is, you know what? It starts with you. If you want to be trusted, you have to extend trust first. Right. Trust is reciprocal. You need to start first. And then the other thing that I share with them is that, you know, when we're sincere and we're authentic and we show our real self, it sometimes can feel raw. Right. And, mm-hmm. and yep. you know, vulnerable. It, it it's for some people, it doesn't feel good. But when we're authentic and sincere and vulnerable, those are the moments that build trust. Yeah. Those are the moments that build trust. Mm, it's about authenticity. Being yes. Yeah. Yeah. And that can be tough for leaders. Well, it can because be. Because they think they have to have an executive feel, or if they're in this role, 
perhaps they're too attached to the role or too attached to their title to to uh, allow them to connect. But once they get that, once they they see it, the whole world open up when they realize all I have to do is be myself and yes. connect on a person to person. We all have the same issues. Of course. We all have the same yes. dreams and desires for our family. We all we have so many similarities. Yes. Uh, yeah. And so the so pandemic has really, I think that's one big thing that has that has emerged is that um, many leaders um, have have now demonstrated their true authentic self. Right. I have many clients now that you see just like you see, you know, my office. You can't see my messy desk, but you can see <laughs> my office. Right. You can see yeah. someone's living room or kitchen. And in the beginning, you know, we, we remember seeing we, the news. We would never show that in no. another part of our lives. No. And now, yes, the newscast. I'm always like, wonder what they're reading. It's all yes. there is. <laughs> or, you know, the cat going across. The cat. The yes. How many cats have we seen? In exactly. <laughs> I mean, I. I did one a workshop. It was fantastic with a, a group of um, with a group of nurses actually who uh, are work for a pharmaceutical company to um, help get people and communicate to people about all the benefits and risks and side effects of being on this program and this drug. And there was about I don't know. There's probably about fifty of us on on teams this is a couple of weeks ago and for me it was great because i got to see all the little faces right and then i could see one face in the top right hand corner and this this woman was holding a baby and i was like wow is i mean i'm getting goosebumps i was like i love it like that her team is fine with this well years ago no one would bring their infant to work Right. Mm. And so like the cats, we now know, well, that's her situation. Right. Mm. That's really. And we all have a situation. We all do. Right. Yes. We all have a situation. Yeah. Yeah. It's so interesting how everything has changed. And, and, and I think it's, I think it's for the better. I mean, for the most part, I think, you know, we're moving, I, I think we're moving toward authenticity and you're right. If anything, the pandemic has taught us, it has shown, we literally are bringing our lives into our zoom calls. I mean, we yeah. can try to be as professional as possible. Uh, but sometimes I would be doing zoom calls on my son's, um, door bedroom door would be behind me and I'd forget and maybe he'd come crawling exactly. out with a hoodie and I'm like you know these are our real lives and we try to hide it but what we're really hiding is is who we are and how how life really unfolds yes you met you mentioned at the top of our conversation you mentioned about your your trust index and I know our time is almost up but so if people are interested in knowing more, this is an assessment that you can actually uh, run with clients that they can actually measure the level of trust they have with their customers or within their own organizations with their people. Is that right? Yeah. So the client or is it mostly a customer tool? Well, I have internal assessments um, as well as external and the external is the client trust index. So, yes. Yeah, so we we actually measure the customer's trust in the company to get a trust equity score. And it's a survey. A score. So okay. in about nine minutes, um, we can, if that's how long it takes, uh, we can determine a company's trustworthiness. 
and it identifies the gaps and the opportunities and uh, where, you know, a company needs to focus on to improve its trustworthiness. Yeah. Yeah. That, and that's fantastic. And I encourage people to, to go and, and check you out and, and, you know, I hope people think about this idea of trust a little bit more, you know, where, where have there been some outages? Where, where have you built trust? Where, where do you need some work? What is the best way for people to get in touch with you? The best way, a uh, couple ways you can connect with me on LinkedIn under Natalie Doyle Oldfield. You can connect with me on my website, and that is successthroughtrust.com. And on my website, you'll see under the section called The Power of Trust, I have articles and there's a place to sign up for uh, a monthly article that I send out. Um, and that's a great way to connect with me. Or you can send me an email directly. My email is on my website at noldfield at successthroughtrust.com. And I'll put all that in the show notes. Is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you wanted to say about trust? Well, there's a lot. I think it's, you know. <laughs> we, we could do an eight-hour session. <laughs> I feel like um, we could talk all day, Dana. So yeah. it, there's a lot. So no, there's not a lot that you didn't ask me. You ask great questions. I think really at the end of the day, the most important thing is that we don't forget that it's all about the people, Dana. It all mm. it, it all comes down to how we communicate, how we behave, and how we serve customers. Mm. Because that truly is the critical trust risk point. And trust really is very much like a diamond. It's yeah. it's the most beautiful, fragile, strongest thing that needs to be protected. Mm. And it's the most valuable asset a company has. So we really do need to protect it. And it's not as fragile as we might think. If you have trust equity built up and you have that strength, when you make a mistake, which we all do, Mm -hmm. you can come back from it. So I think that's, you know, that's one of the most important things to remember is that it is fragile and we do need to protect it and continually build on it and cultivate it and develop it. If people haven't been convinced that they should be building trust inside their organizations and you've, you've, we've, we've weaved it throughout the conversation, the number of benefits but let's just kind of hit a few before we go, because you said sales increase. You've had the experience yourself directly as being a sales uh, in, in a sales role. So when you you just sort of do a little rant of all the benefits of trust, what comes to mind? <laughs> well, we sixty eight percent of us worldwide refer products and services we trust. Mm-hmm. Right? We tell everyone we know and we trust. Yeah. Um, we buy from people we trust. We pay more for products and services we trust. Mm. Okay. Um, we retain more customers and it's been proven out study after study that if you can increase your customer retention by 5%, 
depending on what industry you're in, that could that could affect your profitability from 25 to 95 percent. Mm. So it's also about retaining employees. Well, let's face it. We want to retain our people. Yeah. When you have the trust of your people, they stay. People don't leave companies. There's this old saying, right? They leave their managers. They leave people. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, there's lots of benefits. It's about innovation, right? Productivity. So there's internal indicators and external. External. Yeah. Yeah. Well, this has been a fantastic conversation. It gives me a lot to think about. I can only imagine if someone's listening, a leader, someone inside an organization, if they haven't thought about trust now that we're kind of rolling out of the pandemic and, and getting back to semi-normal lives, you know, it's a great time to think about it. So I really appreciate your time today, Natalie. I thoroughly enjoyed the conversation and I learned a ton. Thank you very much for having me, Dana. It was really, was really fun. And I uh, really appreciate uh, all your good questions. Well, thank you. Subscribe to the podcast so you don't miss an episode. Please go to iTunes to rate and review this podcast. And if you want to continue the conversation, connect with Soul Sister Conversations on the Facebook and Instagram pages. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at Dana Lloyd Leadership, on Twitter at Coach Dana underscore Lloyd, and of course on LinkedIn. See you next week.